0: Of the living... Everyone and welcome to the third episode of "This Is Where It Gets Complicated," a monthly magazine-style podcast featuring the world of Doctor Who. My name is John Pingle, and I am joined, as always, by Michael Sokol and Lauren Bancroft. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I am. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It has been a little over a month since we last hung out. And talked about mm-hmm. all of the things Doctor Who. Mike, uh, how are you? Yeah, G- Mike, you, didn't you? You didn't say anything.
2: I'm doing good. Yeah. We got we got some Doctor Who news from the past today, so that's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. What have you guys uh, been up to? Anything cool
2: and exciting?
1: Oh, jeez. Here's the part where I forget everything I do and I don't know what to say.
2: <laughs> oh, no. You know, I've been traveling all over for work, uh, which as always means Big Finish time. Big Finish had a big sale over the weekend, uh, Companion Chronicles. As of Friday, I was saying I'm not going to buy anything. As of Sunday night, I only bought like 13 things.
0: Oh, geez. Uh,
2: well, you know, I needed something for Lala Ward to sign at Gallifrey this February. And um, and apparently yes. I needed 12, 12 other things to go with that one thing. So. <laughs> yes. so there you go. But I only bought one physical thing and 12 digital things. So it's, that's pretty reasonable <laughs> in my book.
0: Not taking mm-hmm. up space. Physical space. No,
2: no, no. No physical space. And that somehow makes my habit better. <laughs>
0: Keep lying to yourself. Yeah, definitely. That's how mm. that works. <laughs> Lauren, anything?
1: I was recently added to the Nerdist House sketch team, The Burbs. We do a monthly live sketch show. I've done a couple with them, and my next one is next weekend. And that's that's exciting. That's been keeping me pretty busy.
0: That's super cool.
1: Yeah, that's neat. Our next show is at the Nerdist School on September 17th at 8 o'clock <laughs> and the... We do themed shows, and the next show is Jesus Christ, the Lost Years. So it's gonna be pretty good.
0: Oh man, oh. we'll yeah. finally know what happened. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're solving mysteries.
2: And we BBC, really wa- BBC wiped the tape tapes on those years, correct?
0: Yeah, I think yes, they did.
1: But okay. we're we're recreating them. Oh. Okay, for the for the world, for everyone's benefit. Frankly,
0: I <laughs> agree. That is beneficial mm-hmm. to everyone. <laughs> yeah. I what if I was actually down L.A. way this weekend saw some wrestling, a whole bunch of wrestling, and it was a lot of there was, fun.
2: There was a battle, correct?
0: There was a battle for Los Angeles, as I am told. A someone from across the pond won it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of new people and it was a very welcoming place. I had a very good experience. I've heard I've heard otherwise from other people. Personally, Had a pretty good time.
2: Yeah, that's good. I mean, any kind of any kind of fandom. I always appreciate when people can go there alone. And I know, well, of course, it's always cool if you go with friends. But I mean, it's cool if you can go into any environment by yourself and come out with all sorts of new friends. That's very cool. Exactly. Um, We
0: experienced that at Gallifrey.
2: (laughs) we sure did one of the very cool things about doctor who fandom you know i know there's not a whole lot of crossover between who fandom and wrestling fandom but but, res- <laughs> but wrestling fandom does have that as well um you know there are some cool people at wrestling fandom of course there's probably i'd say maybe a little bit of a higher jerk rate ratio than you might get at uh, doctor who fandom yep there's m- m- there's some gatekeeping
0: uh, at wrestling yeah. events for sure
2: <laughs> there, yeah there are some people who maybe aren't so cool but uh but you can make friends there as well. Um, I don't know.
1: I would. I would argue there's some gatekeeping in the Doctor Who community as well. I think no, there, there's, there's just gatekeeping
0: is. everywhere.
2: It, mm. It's a part of it. But but the key is is it is really cool when you can make friends, and it's very cool when a guy wielding an umbrella comes out on top. <laughs> I think yes, that's the other it part. It is it's really
1: cool. Oh oh oh! What's his name? Oh, I know his name.
2: <gasps> Sylvester McCoy. Oh.
1: <laughs> no, another the re- wrestler with an umbrella.
2: Marty Skrull. Marty. Yeah.
1: Str- with the man yeah. bun. You still have the man bun? Yes, he
2: does. Yes, he
0: does.
1: Oh, yes. that's such a good look. Fur coat? Still the fur coat?
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, it's really essential to his style. It, so good. It
0: is. It's great. Yeah. He, I took a picture with him, and he actually gave me the topper to one of his umbrellas that he broke over someone's back. Oh. Because uh, he didn't think he had a correct change for me. And I said, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, have this. I was like, cool. Excellent. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to freak out in front of you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> For a guy who calls himself a villain, he's a very nice gentleman. Should you meet him in person? Yes, so.
0: confirmed. Let yes, us uh, yes. let us move, move along on to Doctor Who.
2: Well, yeah, speaking
0: you
1: guys, of, uh... you guys get started. I'm going to find my pictures of Marty Scroll <laughs> wow. on my
2: Instagram. Well, well, Keep... we were speaking a few moments ago about things being recreated and being wiped in the past, and a uh, mm-hmm. big news came out from the BBC today that "Power of the Daleks," the very first Patrick Troughton story. Now, unfortunately, it has not been found. But the audio, of course, audio exists for every Doctor Who story ever throughout history. Uh, They've gone back and they've reanimated this, not reanimated it, but animated it. Reanimating would be a little bit different, and that's creepy. Um, But they've animated this story. It's going to be released in the near future. um, And the clips they've shown so far look very cool. It's kind of in that black and white gray tone style. Power of the Daleks, I mean, it's the very first story we ever had with a new doctor. And I'm just, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really thrilled to see this one.
0: Um, Yes, I am super stoked about this news that just came out today. Uh, I love Patrick Troughton. He's one of my favorite classic doctors. And yeah, they're taking Surviving... It's funny because I'm sure both of you have seen... You're like, oh, this is an old episode. Let me see this episode. And it's like text about what's happening at the bottom and then some random audio and then like a still picture. And it just takes you out of the story really quick. I feel like Marco Polo is completely like that
2: yeah Uh, the the recreation stories um it takes a lot of effort to to kind of sit through them yeah uh you you really have to be dedicated i've I've watched a few of them that way and you know it's it's worth it if you're a fan um but at the same time i understand why people just can't engage with the story that way and and my big hope with this is if it does well financially um it's going to be shown on bbc america so hopefully it does decent ratings is you know is if this is financially successful that they'll go back and they'll reanimate some of the other stories as well.
0: Yeah, they should just definitely look into that and just do it anyway. Yeah, I, I,
1: I, I feel like they're probably not really. I don't think they're planning on not continuing with it. Like, why would they? Why would they not?
2: I, I think it's a do it's it, a, do it. It's a cost versus reward situation, though. Um, You know, there's there's a few of the stories that have come out over the last few years where they've animated certain Mm -hmm. episodes along the way. Yeah, um, because they maybe had like three out of four or two out of four episodes were complete. So I think this is the first time they've decided to dive in all the way and say, we're going to do all six episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a historically famous episode. You know, it's the first Patrick Troughton episode. Yeah. But when you get to something like the space pirates or, (laughs) eh, you know, it's. (laughs) There's nothing really worth, you know, it's, it's an episode that just doesn't really capture people's imagination. So you know, even for the hardcore fans, are they going to invest their money into it? Um, mm-hmm. So that's where they really would have to be very mindful about, is it worth it to put money into paying people to direct it, to animate it, so yeah. on and so forth? Um, I think it would But then be. you get people, well, you get people like Mike who are, say that they're not going to buy any big finish on Friday, and then Sunday they've bought a whole bunch, so, you know, yeah. there's, there's always going to be at least a little bit of a market for it, but uh, there's, there's certainly um, there's some Hartnell episodes I would love to see. Marco Polo, of course, the rest of the <laughs> Dalek Master Plan, Yes, and then uh, some of the early trout and stuff, um, the Macra terror. I would love to see. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's just an amazing opportunity. And it comes out. Did they? Was it November or October? I, I, I believe it comes out maybe a little bit earlier, but then they're also going to broadcast it November twelfth on BBC America.
0: Okay, so there and, you go. Uh, I'll, something yeah, something new Island. that's old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there,
2: there you go. Um, I'm gonna be in Long Island at Long Island Who when that goes on. So hopefully they'll have kind of some special screening or something.
1: Oh, I'm sure they on. will. That's they better. It's a, a great place to be for that.
2: <laughs> you know, and one more thing that might be really cool about this too is um, you know, not to not to kinda of pigeonhole it, but but kids love animation. So, you know, it might be hard to get a kid to sit down and watch a black and white Patrick Troughton episode, but getting them to watch an animated episode, they might be a little more engaged with that. So
1: for sure. You know,
2: yeah. Just, just thinking of that too. It could be cool. But. Yeah.
1: When I when I saw the um, the trailer, my first thought was get the kids. Yes. <laughs> get the get them all. Get, get
0: all of those kids. Yeah.
1: Hook them so. before they know what they're getting into.
0: Yes. Hopefully so. Then they're yeah. just crying in the dark alone, watching people <laughs> yeah, regenerate well, that we love. Uh, anyway. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, you'll do a lot of crying in the real world. Okay, just get ready for <laughs> being an adult. Jesus!
0: these poor children
1: we can't coddle the youth okay
0: got to make them sad immediately
1: i'm not really a maternal figure i don't (laughs) wow never seen myself as that probably never will that's fine i've accepted it
0: what an episode so far Mm. (laughs) there is no other news is there do you guys you guys sitting on any news
2: no class is coming out in uh i believe it's late october oh yeah again it's you know, no trailer yet, so we're still kind of just waiting on that one. And Yeah, I think yeah. They, just, they
1: just wrapped, I think, the last week or the week before. And I really, I feel like they're not really pushing that too hard right now.
0: I feel like the no. only thing that I've heard about it is it's going to be kind of like Torchwood, is what they were saying. Not like, it, it will be somewhat like Torchwood. Not exactly like Torchwood, because, oh boy, that would be a whole thing.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it sounds like it's going to be much more mature than kind of initially. It sounded more like uh, Sarah Jane Adventures to start with. Yeah. And uh, they're going to kind of have like more of a mature edge to it. And I know that the doctor, uh, not the doctor, sorry, the uh, the main teacher character is supposed to be an alien refugee. Um, She's supposed to be the last of her race. Oh, oh. that so, sounds familiar. So, That's uh, always so the only, Yeah, the only thing I can think of is maybe she's the the little girl from Delta and the Bannerman all grown up. No. So. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that's 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 fresh for you Podcastica listeners out there. Tune in to Podcastica
0: wow. on Night of the Living Geeks Network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just
2: uh nice little cross promotion there you go
0: i like that that makes me happy okay so let us dive headfirst into our first segment everything changes the 21st century is when it all changes so what is torture anyway
3: some kind of british intervention agency
0: we're separate from the government outside the police beyond the united nations
2: you catch aliens for a living you're an alien catcher got any good aliens tons of them that's a hell of a job Bloody Torchwood.
0: All right, well, welcome to Everything Changes, our Torchwood review segment. We watched Season 1, Episode 3, Ghost Machine. And um, I feel like we have been talking about this for a little while, and I kind of want to start this off with a bang here. So, uh, Mike, I feel like you have some stuff you want to talk about.
2: (laughs) Well, I'll just briefly kind of go over what this one's about, maybe up front. Um, we start out with the uh, with a kind of a train spotting segment with uh, the team chasing down some kind of young thug kind of guy. Um, he's running around through alleyways and stuff like that. Gwen is really good at chasing him down. The rest of the team kind of worthless.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: she pulls a really cool jacket off of him and he runs away and she's kind of disappointed. Anyway, it turns out that whatever they were trying to get off of him uh, was inside the jacket and it was some kind of alien ergonomic mouse um yes. and so it, it seriously it was an ergonomic Ooh. mouse that lit up yeah um mm-hmm. but anyway so what's the number one rule of torch wood in the field
1: play with the toys you find and you don't know what they do
2: exactly
1: <laughs> is that am i right yes you are 100% exactly. what are you, you doing oh this
2: gwen. thing i
0: found yeah. let's press the button
2: yes so gwen pr- presses the button and uh, next thing she knows, she's kind of in some phase loop. She's out of time. She sees like a little boy that looks very World War II era schoolboy. boy. It, it's during the Blitz, it seems, and he's lost. There's nobody else around. He's very scared. And then she phases back in time. And of course, everyone, Gwen, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Well, Why you because do I'm part of thing? Torchwood. What else? Yeah. What else do we do? We, we push buttons when we don't know what they do. That's <laughs> what we're here for. So the team is trying to track down. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And that's kind of a... It's really a red herring that little boy doesn't have anything to do with anything. He grew up and lived a wonderful life. Yeah, no big deal.
0: Um, he's watching television chilling.
2: Yeah, Uh, he had a scary little mishap there, but everything turned out okay. Um, But then they kind of trying. They try to test out the device in different areas, and it turns out that it brings out ghosts or remnants of the past, energy from the past. So you can see things that have happened in certain locations. I think it's Owen sees underneath a bridge that there's a woman who's kind of uh, being really creeped on by a man. This is probably like 50s, 60s era. He kind of has a stray cut, a stray cat haircut going, and. The guy's creeping on her and then kills her and, and uh, rapes her. Yeah, he rapes he did? and okay. kills her. Yeah. I, I was I was trying to remember if it was explicit or not, but oh, he it definitely... was explicit. Okay, yeah.
1: The, yeah. The creepy, the, yeah, the creepy dude was, um, as expected, a rapist.
2: <sighs> yeah, it's Torchwood, so yeah, shocker. Um, yeah. So that kind of becomes the the main thrust of the episode is trying to track that guy down, this guy named Ed, while also trying to track down Bernie, who's the, the kind of the the young waste man from the earlier in the episode that they're trying to track down, uh, who had the device originally. Yeah. They're first trying to find him to find out how he got this alien object and what's going on, while also trying to solve this rape murder from the past. And uh as typical with Torchwood, it has a very happy ending. So <laughs> That's very, very true.
0: Yeah, I mean, some other aspects of this is we see that Torchwood is kind of affecting Gwen and uh, Reese's relationship. Uh, I think mi- probably for the first time where she's working late hours, she's having weird scenes with the firing range. Which yeah,
1: like, freaking montages. Uh, Jeez.
0: Vaguely sexual, kind of. Very weird. I think, was that after she saw like, oh, my life's pretty good? Or was that no, before? That was, I
1: think that was before four because then she went home and had the device yeah and that's when she saw like the happy memories of her and her boyfriend
0: yeah and she's like i should probably go stand really close next to captain jack more. um
1: <laughs> and then watch the sunrise
0: yes after all this horrible <laughs> stuff happens i yeah, the- this episode was uh, i don't know i i was getting a lot of mixed feelings on things that were happening like it almost felt like at the end because as you said there are the the little flashbacks that we have the one under the bridge and we actually find this dude who's super old now and it almost felt like I was getting a weird vibe like is the show trying to make me feel better bad for him like towards the end where he was like why just leave me alone i have a knife or something i i was just getting a very weird vibe from the show like i'm not gonna feel bad for this guy but it kind of seems like they're trying to make me feel bad for him
1: yeah and in the end they're like well he wanted to die like when it wasn't your fault he wanted to die yeah like okay all right yeah. so well,
2: well we okay. find out that that bernie the the kid who had the device originally has been blackmailing people. With information he's getting from the device, yeah. When he sees these flashes from the past, so yeah, there's there's sort of this sympathy being built up that he's he's making people's lives miserable. But in this case, this guy deserves to have a miserable life. Yeah. You, you're right, and it's so the fact that they're kind of trying to make us feel sympathy for the character, it's it's an interesting choice, but it didn't work how I think they intended it to. Yeah. You know, just just because he was an old man does not mean I feel sympathy for him. <laughs> no.
1: No, he's an old bad man
2: exactly yeah
0: Yeah. Um, I I also really enjoyed both the chase scenes I thought they were like really cool (laughs) I don't know why I just really enjoyed them
2: it was it was a nice change of pace I think from what we're used to seeing yeah
1: a lot of sweating a lot of a lot of sweating
0: yes Gwen was like it looked like someone poured a bucket of water on her after the um she came out of the ghost world or whatever Mm -hmm. I was like wow that's that's a that's a lot of sweat there (laughs) well And I th- I feel yeah. like, I know, th- Lauren, this is your first time through uh, Torchwood, and I mm-hmm. actually cannot remember, but I feel like this is one of the only times we get to see the side of Owen where he's kind of, I know he was feeling the feelings she was feeling in the flashback, but mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the only times we get to see like this somewhat scared and vulnerable side of him. He's usually just kind of a dick. Uh-
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um when I was watching it I I was thinking like he saw a rape and murder and I just keep I'm like like this is the third episode and technically this is the second episode related to rape since Owen technically yes. raped that couple by drugging them with the uh what was it like a, a the spray. pheromone or? Yeah. yeah yeah so I'm like was it intentional to have Owen be the one who uh
0: I, don't I know. has Maybe. to witness
1: I, the rape because I, technically by I, definition? Probably, probably wasn't. It's a different time. We already yeah, talked about how I, like, I, he wouldn't I have been able to do that now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't think with that pheromone stuff, I don't think that they saw it that way at the time. I think it was just a really, really, really poor choice on the writing yeah, staff. I, yeah. I
1: hope now Russell's like, <laughs> in hindsight, it's 2020. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the, John had kind of mentioned they had the the gun montage earlier on. And I think sometimes we forget, too, is like uh, gun stuff is a lot less prevalent in the UK than it is here. Police officers don't carry guns. Yeah. Um, So that that scene was just odd. It was Um, just
0: I don't like it.
2: (laughs) No, especially within the Doctor Who universe to have this like 90 second segment, which just basically like I mean, it just tried to make guns so sexy. Yeah. And. Instead, the whole time I'm just watching it with my head cocked sideways, just thinking, like, why are they doing this? Um, And I know it's, again, it's one of those Torchwood moments where they're trying to differentiate themselves. Right. And it just fell flat on its face.
0: I will say, though, I do like a good training montage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair. Just say say that. We'll give
0: you that. Like, we need to see that she is being trained in some sort of something. And I, yeah. I was no, fine with it in that way. But sure.
2: And that's and that's definitely is I, I understand the need for having more advanced methods that the team is going to need if you're fighting weevils and things like that. Yes, a- absolutely. It just was very strange the way the scene was carried out.
0: Oh, I yeah, 100 percent agree. We have the other part of this. I guess we find out that the guy who originally stole he, it was kind of like a vague description of where he stole it from. Like he he had the box that he. He stole it from, and he had a bunch of like alien money in it, and he, there was the other half of it. So naturally, we put it back together, and uh, we start touching buttons again. Because um, you know, <laughs> why not? It's torchwood, and then we yep. start to see future things. Yeah, which well, um, I did like
2: the idea. I, I like that Bernie the Waste Man. I mean, he he thinks that he's going to sell this stuff on Antiques Roadshow. Yes. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. He doesn't even know what it is or what it does. Really, he just thinks it's alien rocks. Yeah, mm-hmm. clearly but, it uh, is not. Yeah, but but again, you know, Jack says don't use this, and what do they do? They use it. Didn't... Of course they do. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> Gwen just takes it to her apartment. <laughs> yeah, just like...
1: that's, again, that's that's like the that's like step two of joining Torchwood is you take stuff home as well
0: <laughs>
2: for mm-hmm. personal use. Captain... Because we didn't learn our lesson. No, Captain Jack, please, just
0: lock the stuff up somewhere. Just
1: Yeah, in the secure archives. Well, give it to the pterodactyl. The <laughs> yes, the pterodactyl.
0: I miss the
2: pterodactyl, oh. you guys. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. We, ha- we haven't seen the pterodactyl since, like, the first episode. That's not right. It's not right.
1: Yeah. S- spoilers. It has, it- it's been three months, but it's only been two episodes, guys. It hasn't really been that long since we saw the pterodactyl.
2: Spoilers: really We will see the pterodactyl very soon. Yes, will we? I'm so excited. Look, look forward to it. It's going to happen soon. I'm going to. I
1: so, feel like I'm being duped.
2: You are not being duped.
1: Oh, okay, good. No, There's sorry. no so, uh,
0: duping going on here.
2: No, no. Here's here's a question, and I and I don't expect so, but the the gentleman, the the older man, Ed, uh, he was played by an actor, Gareth Thomas. Are either of you familiar with the actor? Does that name ring a bell at all? No, No. it does not. Okay, so uh, when this episode first aired years and years ago, um, I guess, wow, 2006, as soon as I saw my eyes just got wide, and I was thinking, there's no way. Um, He was the lead character, Raj Blake, uh, from this British series called Blake 7. It was created by Terry Nation, creator of the Daleks, and it only ran for four years, maybe around like 79 to 81 or 82 it was, it, you know, maybe only lasted 40, 50 episodes. Um, I sent an audio click, uh, clip over earlier because it's like the the most, just like the most 70s, 80s, like British theme you can imagine. The The series was about, um, he was kind of this uh, political freedom fighter guy and he gets a bunch of criminals together with him. They steal a ship and they go on the run from the Federation. So basically if you had Firefly with a bunch of sociopaths and none of the comedy, you would have Blake Seven. Huh. <laughs> Uh, so it's just kind of an interesting thing um you know he had no real presence in the u.s necessarily like i don't know that he ever really did any work here but for like old school doctor who fans or old school science fiction fans who were watching this at the time this was like a big name kind of thing you know it's like when you see him show up on screen it's kind of like a a real wow moment that they got him to be in this episode and to play the part that they got him to play too yeah, you know, not not the most uh, positive part. It's it's not exactly like they pulled him in to play Wilford Mod or something like that.
1: Right. Oh Wilf. Not nod to Wilf. Nod yeah. shout out.
0: Shout out yeah. to Wolf. We love you, Wolf, wherever you are.
1: We love you always.
0: Anything else before we uh hop on into the next segment here?
1: Maybe one thing I like about this episode is the the notion of, of human emotion being energy
0: yes that was very interesting
1: i really like that
0: to power this device
1: yeah um i don't know something about that it's like i think they equated it i mean they obviously they compared it to ghosts i mean the ghost is in the title of the episode but i like that like when you're in a room and you feel like someone's behind you it's like the yeah the echo of of past human emotions like that's really yeah poetic
0: (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: very poetic yes yeah. Yeah, so okay. I guess I, I like the premise of the episode
0: yeah this one had a very it was almost like a CSI kind of feel to it when they're just because probably because there was a murder in it and running
2: mm-hmm. small scale stuff there was two things at headquarters that struck me the first one which was really positive was I, I like the fact that they're just sitting around eating and chatting yes um, because of all the things that sets this show apart from Doctor Who the do, the just how domestic that scene was I, I really like that um, because it really just grounds it in reality. I mean, not to say that we've never seen the Doctor and companions eating, but it just kind of—it was just something so simple that just really grounded those characters. As far as a letdown goes, so you have a device that can bring back ghosts and energy from the past. We could see things that maybe were here before. You've got it at Torchwood headquarters. You don't use it to have Susie show up for a few minutes. That's a real letdown. <laughs>
1: Oh my god! Oh, again man. with the Susie. You know she but was anyway. a
0: traitor, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, at the she end, was like not not a cool chick.
2: At the end, sure, but before that, she was like MVP. So anyway, <laughs> um, I'll just let it go. Anyway, uh, but for the most part, I really liked this episode. Um, it was it was weird, but I, I liked it. I thought it was good.
0: I agree with that statement. Okay, so that is it for this segment. Now we will move on to the costume showdown.
3: Oops, I'm wearing sand shoes.
2: Oh, so you're my replacements, a, a dandy and a clown. It's what's on the inside matters. The biggest crime against fashion since Lederhosen. What do you want is something warm and sensible, something would wear well, something with a bit of style and, and was well, style.
0: All right, welcome to the Costume Showdown. We are in the quarterfinals, and as the name of our podcast says, this is indeed where it gets complicated. We have four matchups in the quarterfinals, and um, we start out with the fourth Doctor against the twelfth Doctor. Who would like to go first? Uh. This is right off the bat. It's very tough. (laughs)
1: You can't you guys can't see me but I'm putting a finger on the tip of my nose.
0: Oh. So you're which thinking like I believe like...
1: means No, I believe it means not it. Oh. Like I don't so, don't want to go first. Means? Yeah, not you oh. know not it game, not it.
2: No, I don't know that. You don't? Really? I no. Are you I'll, I'll no. say I'll I'll say four first. So you just okay. straight up saying four with no reasoning. Well, I could probably come up with lots of reasoning, but I'll just say four <laughs> and I'll pass it off and then I'll come back around and say why if I need to, but <laughs>
1: Oh boy! Okay, I you know what? No, I'm gonna say four too.
2: Oh wow!
0: And
1: that's I know, I know. I'm surprised with myself. Um, I'm gonna say four because that is I think the that's the most iconic. It's the most iconic look of all of all Doctor Who. I'm gonna say that.
0: I well, stand by it. Yeah. I I it's, guess it's
1: the, it's the scarf. It's I, the
0: scarf. It is the scarf, and I guess we're gonna make it a clean clean sweep here. So uh, four it is. That was um, relatively easy. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, for, yeah. for what it's worth, I'm not saying he's going to win the whole thing. I'm just saying in this one, no contest. Like, it's absolutely four.
1: I think I feel like it, it was a contest for like in my head for a little bit. And then I'm like, well, as much as I love 12 and I love his style and he's my doctor. Yeah, I can. I can't. He doesn't really stand a chance against four. Yeah. Damn it. It hurts to say but <laughs> You're you're right.
0: All right. So, four okay. advances and we are moving on to the 11th Doctor and the 8th Doctor from Night of the Doctor. Who would like to tackle this?
2: I'll let Lauren go first on this one.
1: I'm going to go with 11. Wow. Tweed bow tie. Also my uh, first cosplay, I already said it.
2: Yeah, I I will also go with my first cosplay, which is the 8th Doctor. Oh <laughs> um, boy. <laughs> so much cooler. So, uh, let, me, let me let me just ask you this, if if you're in danger and you need somebody to come in the room and save you, which of these two would make you feel more confident?
1: <laughs> oh, wow, you put it like that. Jeez. I'm not changing my answer, but I would say eight. Then. <laughs> yeah, see, I guess, like, I'm looking ahead to the next rounds, and I think the Knight of the Doctor outfit is c- kind of similar in style to the War Doctor, and War Doctor's getting my vote, so I'm giving this one to 11.
2: Yeah, but see, who wore it first? <laughs>
1: okay. okay.
2: i right. uh, actually technically whipping. <laughs>
1: I'm
2: trying to think. I mean, well, you really couldn't see it. All you saw was he just turned around and it just said, as the war doctor, and you couldn't really tell. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Hmm. So, as I've stated before, 11 is my favorite doctor. So, um, I think uh, 11 is moving on, moving on up.
1: Alrighty. Man, this is the fastest.
0: This the is fastest very fast.
1: Rounds? I think we spent more time on the on the Rowan Atkinson round <laughs> for a couple episodes I ago than too. we have on these ones so far.
0: I mean, don't we get can, me wrong. You can't
2: see, but I'm I'm flipping my desk right now.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> your your sound quality is still perfect. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Night of the Doctor, Eighth Doctor costume is fantastic, but I can't I can't. Go against my guy. I'm sorry. sorry.
1: I have my 11 bow tie around my neck right now.
0: Wow. That's a dedication.
1: I mean, I just put it on so I could say that statement and make it true, but Uh, still.
0: Well, it's still a a true statement either way.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Well, I just knocked over my Lego minifigure 11th doctor with my finger. Why would you do that? (gasps) I'm cradling mine in my arms. It's just pettiness.
1: I'm looking at the picture on my desk of me and Matt Smith from Comic-Con 2014 and I'm just caressing the frame. I'm
0: just, I, just trying I, to This is the um, segment out a, a very visual podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've become very <laughs> visual. All <of> a <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I look up and realize that the he- signed headshot of Peter Capaldi I have hanging on my wall is judging me for picking 4 in the first round. I'm sorry, Peter.
0: Oh no. I'm sorry. It's going to be a weird conversation later.
1: Mm-mm. With that
0: signed picture
1: <laughs> uh, that I have every night. What? Um, I have a conversation with it every night. No, I don't. Can we move on? <laughs>
0: yes, we can move on. We have the Thank Sixth you. Doctor and the War Doctor in this. All right, next I already said I'm voting
1: for War Doctor, so oh, I'll go man. ahead and say War Doctor.
2: John.
0: All right, I I'll try and have some conversation here. I love the Technicolor dream coat. I think it is it is fantastic. Um, it fits this doctor, and I also love the cat pin. And But the thing is, in the earlier rounds, I believe I said something very deep about the War Doctor. I was very pleased with myself, as were the two of you, so I think we're going to stick with the War Doctor here for my pick.
2: I will lodge a protest vote and vote for the sixth doctor just because. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just feeling argumentative.
2: Sure, fair, but it does not <laughs> because, change because I've been watching a lot of Sixth Doctor stuff lately, um, and even though it's garish and and goofy, is it really does fit the character, and uh, I think the blue version is very very cool. So the blue version, but of course is the war cool. the War Doctor costume is great, and I can't complain about it moving forward. So totally okay with that one
1: see the last time i voted for well last i voted in the sixth doctor rounds i voted for him because i felt like i would feel bad not voting for him since he had to wear it <laughs> but that's so like he already got one pity vote for me and the war doctor is pretty great i really love his look so i am just i'm not even to justify my choices i just anyway i think how this, you doing, guys?
0: i'm doing pretty good how are you good <laughs> <laughs> I think this, this next one could uh, maybe have a little conversation here. We have the first
2: doctor against the 10th doctor. So I'm going to stick by my reasoning from the previous rounds, and I'm going to go with the first doctor here. Um, I feel like he set the standard for the the way that the doctors dress um, with the sort of pseudo-Victorian traveler look. Um, I like that he had the cape, the, the kind of the plaid pants at times, Sometimes he would wear the glasses, the cane, the wool cap, uh, just all the different stuff he would incorporate into the outfit. Uh, I I just think it kind of encapsulates that traveler who looks like he may be from another time. It's anachronistic. It may be historical. He he may be from outer space. He may be from the future. Uh, You just don't know. Um, I think it fits the character perfectly. And I really think it sets the standard for everything that came afterwards. I, I have to go with the first Doctor.
0: Those are all very valid reasons. and
1: Very, very good reasons.
0: I would, as we said, the, the fourth Doctor is the, the most iconic of probably all all of the Doctor's costumes. I would also say that if we were doing maybe a classic versus modern, I would say that the tenth Doctor's costume is the most iconic of the modern series. I love the shoes, I love the pinstripe suit, I love the jacket, but I mean, Mike, you make some really good points. Some very, very good points. Uh, this this one I'm actually, I, I feel most torn about, which is weird, but uh, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you, Mike, and go with numero uno.
1: I am surprised. I don't know why I'm surprised.
0: You should be surprised cuz I absolutely love David Tennant's costume, but if if you look at it from from Mike's point of view, it makes a lot of sense because yeah, who is this dude? Like I David David Tennant for the most part is a guy in a suit that is wearing cons for the most part, but one shows up all throughout time and is wearing like, you know, you don't really know, you don't really know where he's coming from and I like that wool hat, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> if only David Tennant had worn a wool hat.
1: <laughs> then he would have won this round or Hands had a better down. shot? Hands
0: down. I mean,
2: oh. he, wore the, he wore the scooter helmet one time, and I mean, that was kind of cool. That's very
0: true. Yeah. Mm. And he had
2: some sweet ties as well. He did. I love those ties. Okay. So, Lauren, you can try to steal this round.
1: What? There's no stealing. Yeah, my you
2: Oh, you can still try to talk him down. You could still try to change his mind. No, I mean, honestly, my,
0: I'm easily swayed. I don't know if you know this about <laughs> I
2: me. Mean. Um, uh, no,
1: honestly, like, Mike, when you were giving your reasons, I I was like, oh, these are all really, really solid. Damn it. It's like, how can I? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can have a clear conscience, no matter which one I pick.
2: Well, I mean, the, the thing that John said about 10, and it's absolutely true, is that. Out, out of any of the modern doctors, even though it skyrocketed to fame in the U.S. during the Matt Smith era, the one that people know is David Tennant mm-hmm. and with this, the pinstripe suit and the, the tan trench coat and all that stuff, the the blocky glasses. It's I mean, he is the, uh, the Tom Baker of the modern series, but he is the iconic doctor of the modern series. So, I mean, that's that's a really tough statement to argue with in any way. I, so I, I think that either argument's completely valid.
1: Okay, I'm gonna go with ten, because that I I feel like my heart would feel worse if I don't. So I'm gonna go with ten. Okay, all right.
0: So that concludes these matchups that we had this time around. Next time, I assume we're gonna do uh, the semifinals and the finals next time. Correct?
2: I, I think so. Yeah. Okay.
0: So next time we will have the fourth doctor taking on the 11th doctor, the war doctor taking on the first doctor. Oh boy. Yeah. That is, um,
2: (laughs) this is so, so just offhand, we're not voting right now. What are, for, for both of you, what are your predictions for the finals? Not who's going to win, but just who do you think is going to make it to the finals offhand?
1: Uh, (laughs) I think it's going to be four and one.
0: Well, I didn't do too good guessing about uh, Bola, so <laughs> the Battle of Los Angeles. So let's see here. Uh, I would probably go. I would probably go four and one as well.
2: See, and I think War and Eleven is most likely. So wow. it, it will be. In, it'll be interesting really? to see how this all shapes up. Yes, so we we will yeah. see you next month for this. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. So before we head over to finish at the finish, uh, Mike, I believe you have something
2: special for us this episode yeah so I went over to Geeky Teas in Burbank California it's a uh, tea store which is tea you drink not tea you wear they also have a lot of nerd games, stuff like that, uh, a lot of Doctor Who merchandise, things like that, uh, basically a lot of Anglophile-type merchandise. And I interviewed Donna Ritchie, who's the owner there. They've got a big TARDIS out front. They have a screen-used Dalek prop there. So on on September 24th, they're going to be having a, an Art of the TARDIS craft fair, is what they call it. Um, and this is, gosh, this has got to be like the fifth or the sixth of these at this point. Um, but there's going to be lots and lots of vendors there. There'll probably be like a food truck, all kinds of stuff, possibly some live music. Um, and pretty much every vendor there is going to be selling Doctor Who merchandise. It goes on usually from about 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., so if you're anywhere in the Los Angeles area, it's worth checking out. You'll hear more about it in this interview as well as what the shop's about. Um, So anyway, I'll throw it over to that interview now.
0: Who are you? I thought all this might give me a good story. That's what I thought. I was just chasing a
3: bit of local color. Who, how, where,
2: why, and what? Would you like me to repeat the question? By tomorrow, we should be a public spectacle, a subject for news and idle gossip. Hi, this is Mike. I'm here at Geeky Teas, that's tea you drink not tea you wear and it's at 2120 Magnolia Boulevard here in Burbank, California, and I'm here with Donna Ritchie, the shop owner. Hi Donna, how are you doing today?
3: Oh, I'm peachy, thanks.
2: Cool. Well, can you tell us about Geeky Teas? Uh, how did you start the shop, and what's the shop all about?
3: Well, I, I started because I was tired of being in the fashion industry, and we already had game nights that were secret on Mondays at uh, at my store. And they'd been running for well over a year, and we started to sell board games in the store, and we were already doing cat rescue, and we were doing tea, so I thought really what was making me unhappy, um, just get rid of that and do the other things. And so that's kind of how it grew, is that I just started doing the things I actually love in life. And so now we've just moved to our new location, and it's it's bigger and better, and it's more community-oriented.
2: Yeah, well previously I know you kind of had some steampunk stuff and a lot of that's been phased out. There's still maybe a little bit here and there, but um, now you have uh, tea, lots of custom tea which people can purchase as well as tea products. A lot of Anglophile stuff as well.
3: Yes, I, I do love my, my Brits and uh, and their food mostly. Their chocolate, I won't lie. I, I love them for their chocolate. And yeah, um, while well, some of the steampunk stuff did make it over, uh, getting rid of it as quickly as possible. no no offense steampunk people. I still love you but um, it, it is a dying subculture and it was fun while it lasted.
2: Well, and I think what's really cool is um, what originally drew me to the to this location you used to be at and uh, it's still here uh, there is a tardis out front. Um, and this is, this is my favorite TARDIS. If you've been to any conventions, there's TARDISes all over, but whatever, this is, this is my TARDIS. Every time I come here, I take a picture with it. And, uh, so it's really cool. If you're anywhere in the Los Angeles area, you need to come to Burbank. You need to get a picture with this TARDIS. Uh, but there's maybe something else cool that people, uh, you know, they might swing by the shop. They might take a picture out front, but what else is there at the store that people should check out?
3: Besides me, just kidding. Yeah, of
2: course, you know you're my favorite, but but if they come in for the Doctor Who fans, there's tons of Doctor Who merchandise here that's really cool. But maybe as far as photo ops go, there might be something else that's really cool here.
3: Oh, I mean, you must be talking about I don't know um, our Sherlock living room set. You can't yeah. you can't be speaking of our security system.
2: No, not the not the security system, not the uh, the very authentic looking Sherlock set. Uh, no, um, not the uh, there's also the Twin Peaks red Room for people from the 90s who love Twin Peaks such as myself. Um, yeah, there's 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 lots of cool stuff all around. I'm just thinking of maybe there's a there's a eye menacingly glaring at me from across the room right now
3: uh oh, you mean harvey? No, he's completely harmless uh he's been he's been deactivated he's not he's not threatening anymore if that's what you you're talking about a, a very very small um five foot screen used Dalek i mean that's not that's not anything people would be interested in
2: no no not not the fact that it's a screen used Dalek i mean that's not interesting at all um you know not the fact that it actually talks and lights up and all that kind of good stuff so
3: Well, he will be calling out numbers on our Doctor Who Bingo Night soon.
2: Yeah, so Doctor Who Bingo Night. Um, I don't know if a date's been selected for that yet. Not yet. Not yet. So that's coming down the line. So there's going to be a Dalek calling out numbers for Doctor Who Bingo Night. Um, But there has been a date selected, and I believe it's September 24th, Art of the Tardis Craft Fair. This is one of my favorite events that happens twice a year. It's going to be coming up September 24th here. And again, that's 2120 Magnolia Boulevard here in Burbank. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the Art of the Tardis Craft Fair?
3: Well, as far as I know, it's the only uh, exclusively Doctor Who craft fair, well, that I've ever heard of in America. If there is, please correct me, uh, people. I'm on the Twitters at Geeky Um, It is. It draws about 800 people over a six-hour period, and we ask that all of our vendors have at least half the merchandise out is Doctor Who-themed, and everything is handmade by local people, and so it's great to support small business, and it will be on Small Business Saturday. And so that's just a lot of fun. And there are people who dress up, and we have food trucks and music and costume contests and a photo booth with our TARDIS. Uh, wow, I don't even know where else to, to go with it. It's just, it's so super fun. If you're a Doctor Who fan and you're looking for Christmas presents a little early, it's it's the best place to be.
2: So just thinking of some of the stuff i picked up there over the years, I mean, I've picked up uh, TARDIS, uh, well, I, Seventh Doctor oven mitts. I've picked up, you know, like... Art stuff. Um, I have picked up a mirror that had like a TARDIS frame on it. There's been somebody doing original one-page stories featuring you with one of the Doctors of your choice, uh, and that's done for your kitten rescue. Um, you know, so there's there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's just custom art, custom crafts, um, people doing little custom pins with different Doctors, different companions. Um, you know, uh, Lauren, who's one of the co-hosts of this podcast, I know has been a vendor in the past. Um, there's candles that are really good. I mean, there's just so much cool stuff at the show. So, I mean, you know, I mean, like anywhere between 15 and 30 vendors, it's just, it's a big show. It's really cool. I can't wait to see it. So.
3: Yeah. I do get away with a lot of, uh, jackass things here in Burbank that are probably not permitted.
2: But... Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll just kind of glaze over that. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah. And then, uh, there's, there's another event coming up down the line and, uh, well, it's not Dr. Who, it is time travel related. So can you tell us a little bit about that one?
3: Oh, That's our Back to the Future weekend. We're doing a whole weekend starting October 21st on Back to the Future Day, where we're going to watch the first film, and we're going to have an art gallery preview uh, with Crispin Glover Art, because he is my favorite. And on the second day, on Saturday, we'll be watching the second film, and musician Marion Call will be performing. And then on Sunday, we'll watch the third film, and I... Did get word that there might be a DeLorean here with a, a Mr. Fusion on the back, so that'll be good for photos because it'll be parked right in front of the TARDIS.
2: That's going to be pretty cool to double that up.
3: Yeah, and it'll be a craft fair. Yeah. So that is happening on Saturday as well. That will, we'll also have vendors who are doing Back to the Future themed items, and I think that the uh, Nerdy Bakery is coming, and they also do like custom themed baked goods and they're just the nicest ladies so
2: nothing but good stuff um that's uh needy bakery is it needy oh yes yes they do uh uh like the crispin glover snacks yes yes they're on uh instagram and they do amazingly good stuff like yeah they're very cool yeah rice crispin glovers yes uh needy bakery yeah Okay, well, one last thing I'll ask you about is, um, we've mentioned it a few times, is uh, you are a kitten rescue here. Um, and could you just tell us maybe a little bit more about that aspect of your shop?
3: Ah, well, sure. It, it started by accident. A business down the street who I had had a previous relationship with knew that we liked cats. And a mother abandoned her kittens in their uh, preschool play yard. And she called and said, hey, I need to give you these kittens because they don't know what to do. And that started our cat rescue. And once one person finds out that you helped out kittens and adopted them out, then someone else is going to ask you to do it again. And uh, we've had over 310 adoptions so far over the seven years, and we just filed our paperwork so that we can be an official 501 because we just operate with store profits and with donations from, from generous people on the outside. So we've had no government assistance, no corporate assistance like tidy cat doesn't give us free cat litter or anything uh, yet please give us free cat litter um so it's it's a good feeling to know that we've helped so many and we've also done a horse and seven dogs and a snake and ferrets and rabbits and a uh, hummingbird a squirrel That's probably it. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, there's Marie, my cat. She's one of the two official cats of this podcast. I I don't know if my co-hosts know that, but it's official now because I said it. So that's, that's just the way it is. So, yeah. But... Um, you know, I adopted her here a few years back, so and I'm still grateful for that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to see how many animals have come through here over the years. So it's very cool. So, yeah, um, again, just everybody, just if you're ever in the L.A. area, I know a lot of you come here um, every year for Gallifrey One. You know, some of you fly out here a day earlier, two days early. You might stay a night extra. Just segue over, just head over to Burbank. I mean, not segue like the don't write a segue, but just just make a trip over, like a little extra trip. Come over here and check this shop out, you know, or just make a way if you're if you're in LA, come over to 2120, Magnolia Boulevard, check the shop out. It's really cool over here. Donna, thanks so much for your time today.
3: Thank you, Michael. <laughs>
0: All right, welcome to Finish at the Finish, where we review a Big Finish audio, also featuring Doctor Who. Uh, This time, we reviewed the first part of the classic Doctor's New Monsters, Fallen Angels, written by Phil Morine. And here's the synopsis for it. 2015, when sightseers Joel and Gabby Finch encounter a strange man in Edwardian cricketing garb in the Sistine Chapel... Their honeymoon suddenly takes a terrifying turn. And then in 1511, Michelangelo is commissioned to create some very special sculptures by a mysterious sect. But as he carves, angels seem to emerge fully formed from the rock, almost as if they are alive. So, what did we think of this? I, personally, I think, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think this was the the best one we've reviewed so far. Okay. Okay. I just, um, I really enjoyed it. It felt very, it felt like it had a very Indiana Jones feel to it. I know they mentioned Indiana Jones in it, but yes, it, it was dead on correct. I felt like the music wasn't as overpowering as it seems in the other ones we've listened to. Maybe that could just be the way I was listening to it. And yeah, I just really, really enjoyed this.
1: Okay. I also enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> This was, uh, this is actually my first experience with this doctor. Oh, yes, let's talk am... about that. Okay.
0: What did uh, you think? Did he remind uh, you of anyone?
1: Did he remind, I, I felt a little 10th doctory. Is that? That is, is correct.
0: That right? <laughs> it is correct.
1: Oh, good. I really, I really liked it a lot. Um, I felt, he felt a little 10th doctory to me and this episode, or the, the yeah, this episode specifically obviously has had a lot of references to Blink, which yes. was you know one of the tenth Doctor's best episodes, one of the best episodes of Doctor of Doctor Who, I would say, period. Mm-hmm. In my very limited view, as far as classic versus new Who, but still, I would say, still one of the best.
2: Mike. Anyway. Okay. So Peter Davison is not one of my favorite doctors as far as his series goes back way back when. And a big part of that probably is not because of Peter Davison so much as his companions never really clicked for me. So I was very thankful in this case to have him separate on his own. Yes. Um, I like the way he worked on his own in this as far as the fifth doctor goes. And I really enjoyed this audio on the whole. Uh, I thought it was very well done. Barnaby Edwards, who's the director, um, he's been with Big Finish for a long time. I mean, he's he's done tons of audios, both as a writer, as a director. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's one of the voices of the Daleks. Huh. He knows his stuff. Yeah, he, he's been involved with several of my favorite audio plays. So so to have him on this is a great choice. Um, I, I think there was just lots of great choices made as far as the audio cues, things like that. The sounds they used for the for The Weeping Angels. And, you know, going into this, my big question was going to be, how do you have a monster that's silent and make them work in audio? And, you know, about midway through or two thirds of the way through, it it made sense to me that the Weeping Angels are perfect for audio, as long as you've seen them before and you know how they work and you know what they look like. Because if you think back to those early episodes like Blink and uh, the two-parter in the first Matt Smith season... People are always narrating what they're doing. Yeah. Doctor, the angel's doing this. Doctor, the angel's doing that. You don't see the move for the most part. It's people telling you what they're doing. You know, it's this much closer. It's that much closer. Now I can't see it. It, it makes perfect sense to have these character, or these creatures in audio form. And it can be just as terrifying if you have the right music cues and the right sound cues as it is seeing it. And really with your imagination, it's almost worse.
0: Yeah. And I also kind of like that. We got a kind of a new take on it where we have this third party that is, I mean, I guess we're, they're kind of worshiping the weeping angels. Yeah. I just, I really enjoyed that too, but it didn't, you know, didn't work out that well. Mm-hmm. For <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, yeah, they foolishly were worshiping, worshiping them, yes. thinking that they were that they weren't in danger. Idiots. So one thing I really liked about this audio play was I like how the angels are introduced. Um, I like how it's it's not exactly an origin story, but it. I think they enter the story in a pretty cool way. Um, but I am still holding out hope that one day we will get an origin story of the Weeping Angels. Like an actual real life.
0: Well, like how,
1: how did they get to be the way they are? I guess does that already exist? Don't n- tell me. No,
0: no, no. I, I guess, I guess, I, I said before we started recording. Man, I really wish I had a question, a question to ask you guys, because I'm, you know, doing my hostly duty, and now I do. What do you think is the actual origin of the Weeping Angels? Do you have any theories?
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, I've got one that I don't want to share yet.
2: Oh. Cuz you I'm, think the I'm moth might a, steal it?
1: Well, I mean, I just want it to be ready when someone <laughs> from the BBC hears about it, you oh, know. All right. Um that sounded way too cocky. I take it back immediately. <laughs> no, but I've got like I've been playing with like a with a, a Doctor Who episode, like two-part finale for the, for season 11 where the it's it's basically it's a basically an origin story with about the Weeping Angels and it's how 12 regenerates
0: huh now and i'm really excited about it i guess i guess Um, another i guess another question well actually mike do you you have any theories
2: no i I have a 12 regeneration story too but that also involves the angels so yeah oh oh, wow i'm gonna gonna say i'm gonna say mine first because that way then lauren can be like no that's okay (laughs) so basically no i think i think the most interesting way to do it would be to have uh the angels send capaldi back in the past um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Bill or whoever the companion is, is totally freaked out, panicked, trying to hold things together, go with that for 20, 30 minutes. Then all of a sudden some person shows up, hopefully a woman, um, and pulls out a sonic screwdriver, holds it down, defeats the angels. And basically I'm the doctor and you find out that Capaldi had to live out hundreds of years getting back to that point to save the day. Wow. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh. <laughs> I think it's interesting because it still leaves lots of room for untold Capaldi stories um, even without the TARDIS right. and it's just, it would be a very dynamic way to have some new character storm on the scene and uh, technically it's a cheat because you still don't see the regeneration. True, because right? uh, this could be an impossible and, and fan minds would with- blown so, be an yeah. imposter. but anyway um no i i really don't have any origin in mind for the angels i i kind of i'm fine without knowing the origin i i know that there's always the one that you know uh during one of those last uh sound of drums David Tennant, what's
0: that was it sound of drums the end no, of, uh, no it was, no, no, it no, it very was the very last one
2: it was the very last one you see the characters uh the two time lords kind of standing there with their hands in front of their face in shame or whatever mm-hmm. it is. yeah that's who so i that's think kind it of is Ones. and i i i don't know i kind of hope it's not time lord related but yeah. it could be. well it's not in my episodes <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just kind of I, I think the more you know about the angels the less interesting they become so i am kind of fine with them just being creepy weird this is the set of rules that they follow leave it at that
0: yeah uh i, I guess my my follow-up question is do you think uh, moffat will give us the origin before he takes off
2: I
1: will settle for any interaction between 12 and the angels before <laughs> Moffitt leaves or even after Moffat leaves. I just want I would love for 12 to go up against them and
2: uh, win. I would I would say angels. Yes. Origin. No. All right. Uh, yeah. Now, did, one of the go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say, one of the things I did enjoy about this story um, is that, you know, like I talked about earlier, is that I was never a big fan of uh, Peter Davison's Companions. And one thing I think Big Finish does well is they introduced a couple of pseudo companions in this story, and that's where we got the uh, the honeymoon couple, Joel and Gabby.
0: Yeah. Uh, and um, actually, speaking of the guy who played Joel, he he played. Um, did you guys see an adventure in time and space? Yes. I, I did not. He played um, Wars Hussein. No way. Yep. Yeah. Oh I did my gosh,
2: it. I like him like five times better now. Research. Like, not that I didn't like the character before, but he he was so good.
0: Yeah. They, I thought they were both very, very good, and I don't really have any notes on uh, the woman who played Gabby, except that she sounded like Jen from IT Crowd.
2: Okay, well, that, <laughs> I, I just finished rewatching IT Crowd, so that makes me happy, too. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I like the idea that, you know, uh, for Joel, he was so in love with the setting. He was kind of into that historical art thing, so for yeah. him, it was just this fascinating kind of, it was just like this magical trip. Whereas uh, Gabby was just much more scientific and physics oriented and, and trying to figure out the what's and whys of thing. Uh, It's, it's kind of a shame they couldn't go with the doctor because I think they would have been a fantastic match for him. I
0: agree. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. All right. You know, and uh, you know, probably the one other thing to point out um, is that we, of course, this is kind of a celebrity historical is we had Michelangelo.
0: Oh yes. uh,
2: (laughs) Yes, of course. I, th- um, I thought no. he
0: was great. I loved his voice. Yeah.
2: He he kind of was that larger than life type of character that, um, you know, I think that there's two ways you can play it when you do a celebrity historical. You can either have them kind of play against type or you can just say go completely over the top with it. And uh, they went as over the top with it as you could get. <laughs> yes. I love
1: how it, like during his career, though, it wasn't at a point where he was like
2: super duper famous yet, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and we got some Michelangelo uh, adventure segments. Not something I thought we would get when I signed up for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this audio play. I think it was the best one just as a whole, even though, yes, I do understand that it was great to hear David Tennant and Catherine Tate again. But I think this one just had a really good feel to it. And I could see I could see this being an episode that I would watch on television. Yeah,
2: I was I was happily surprised. Like I said, you know, not a doctor I necessarily care for that much, but I enjoyed his work here and I enjoyed the the companion characters. I thought Michelangelo was great. And I really think they nailed the, the, the angels, which was my biggest question going into this. I, I hope that this is something that for people who maybe aren't familiar with Classic Who, I hope they listen to this and their, their interest is piqued and maybe that they're willing to check out more of it. So, so maybe that would be my question to Lauren is, you know, for somebody who's not as familiar with Classic Who, is this something you would listen to and maybe say, I would like to hear more Peter Davison or I would more like, like to hear more of the Classic stuff?
1: I'm already going to be seeking more out for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Really good. A really good first impression or second impression, if we're <laughs> counting the little five minute special he did with David Tennant. Um, awesome. Yeah. I overall, I really enjoyed it. I uh, the Weeping Angels are my, my favorite villain um, in uh, in Doctor Who. My favorite baddies. And it was really, really cool. Again, Mike, I was in the same boat with you. It was like, how are they going to do that? And then as soon as I heard that first, like, that's a terrible impression of the sound. <laughs> <laughs> like, I realize like, that. But you guys know. Yeah. You listen to it. You know what I'm doing. Yeah. As soon as I heard that first one, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. I really, really love this. So, yeah, I th- thought it was really good. I don't know if I could say it was my favorite of the ones we've reviewed so far. Only because uh, Catherine Tate and David Tennant back together again. Yeah. i uh, just love them
0: so
1: <laughs> but yeah really loved it and i would love to uh find more of it yeah
0: lauren if you would like to plug away you may do so right now
1: thank you all right i can be found um at LaurenBancroft.com. com uh also on uh, instagram and twitter at bancroft b-a-n-c-r-o-f-f-e-d and uh come Check out the Burbs show at Nerdist Improv School on Saturday, September 17th at 8 p.m., please.
2: Mike, how about you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at masolko, M-A-S-O-L-K-O, You can also find me at timescoopcast.com. The Timescoop podcast is currently still trapped in a time eddy somewhere out there, but uh, maybe it'll come back someday. You never know. And September 24th, I will be in Burbank, California at the Art of the Tardis Craft Fair. That's at Geeky Tees. I may or may not be dressed as the Seventh Doctor. We'll see. Um, It might be 85 degrees. I. I keep saying I'm going to learn my lesson, but I never do. So most likely I'll be out there in costume.
0: And you can find the podcast on Twitter at gets complicated. All right. That is it for us this month. But remember, you were fantastic, but so were we. Hell! What is wrong with me? I run a podcasting oh, I, network. I, I,
2: I think we're all a, a shade off. All right, here we go.
0: Hosting a podcast. I'm gonna ask the hard-hitting questions. I didn't have any questions. I'm sad I didn't write any questions down.
3: Oh <laughs> <laughs> my! I'm, like,
0: I'm sad. You're usually... just
2: gonna try to throw it over to your good friend Taylor, and it's gonna be—it's <laughs> just a mess, man. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not Taylor? I'm so confused.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of This Is Where It Gets Complicated, a, a Doctor Who podcast featuring going to start doing that over again.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, hosting ain't so easy, mister. I host everything. I'm Man, sorry, you're better than
2: Come I'm. on. I'm not-
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of This Is Where It Gets Complicated, a
2: mother... <laughs>
1: John, John, I believe in you so much.
2: I don't think that's what this is about. <laughs> it could okay. be. I don't know. Night of the Living